Hear the word of God from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Erica, for that resurrection story. Well, the, uh, the video we just played, right? Pretty cool. This last week, um, Emily Felgenhauer, our youth director, played that for us during our chapel time together. And I was so moved by the story. It was watching the resurrection story come to light in front of me. I mean, here was this poet and this filmmaker who had been touched by the story themselves and then created that message for us to hear the story in a new way. Today we have our children telling the story of Jesus in the children's musical. And all of these are ways that provide us to enter the story, the story for ourselves, the story for others, and to see Christ in our midst. And as many of you know, we've been looking at the resurrection stories over the last several weeks. And each week, we've been asking ourselves a question to consider. We've taken that piece of paper in our bulletin, and we've wrote, written down a, a word response. And um, what we've been doing is we've been looking at two questions the last two weeks. The two were, what fear is holding you back right now? It was the first week. The next question was, imagine the church's nets being filled, and what does that look like for you? As we gather them together, there's mobiles that are hanging right here in the chapel, and those, those responses are put there as a symbol of the way in which you all have been touched by that story. There's also an image that was created. Take a look as they continue to pull together the words that are shaped by everyone from all of our services together. Seeing the words... The words to the answer to the question. This week, the question is, where do you see Jesus in your community? So, we're going to take a look at this resurrection story that we've got here for us today. Um, 
This story is found in the Gospel of Luke, and it takes place right after two of the disciples have just returned from their walk to Emmaus. Now, we'll unpack the walk to Emmaus story a little bit more next week. But this week, they've just come back, and they're in a room gathered together with their disciples, and they're basically telling them about what just happened and how they saw Jesus and what happens. Well, Scripture tells us while they're together, Jesus shows up and appears to them. Uh, they're frightened and they doubt. As a matter of fact, they think that maybe they're seeing a ghost. It's actually very similar to the story we heard from John a couple of weeks ago where Jesus shows up. They're frightened and they're scared. And, and he says, here, look, here, see my scars. This is me. I'm here. In this story today, they're gathered together. Jesus shows up and he invites them to, to touch his scars There he also says, let's eat together. And he asks for some fish and they have a meal together because it demonstrates his aliveness. And as I spent time with, with this story, there were three things that jumped out at me as I, as I looked at this resurrection story. First, what caught my attention was the disciples fear and their doubt. And the second thing that caught my attention was that they touched Jesus. They actually touched him in this story. And the third thing was that Jesus offered an invitation, an invitation to them after being touched by him to go and be his witnesses. So let me start with the frightened and doubt part. Well, the scriptures tells us they were frightened and they doubted. And I thought, well, of course they were. They're standing in a room and a dead guy shows up, right? I mean, think about it. Jesus had just died and he showed up. I got to tell you, as I sat with that, I went, yeah, you know what? If my grandmother showed up in my bedroom sitting on my bed, I would be pretty spooked out too, right? I mean, I loved her, but she's not alive anymore. So the question that I would be, they would be fearful and doubt what they're seeing is, is a natural response, right? But how does Jesus meet them? He doesn't ridicule them. He doesn't confront them. Instead, he, he reaches out to them. He understands their fear. And he tries to find ways to help them connect to him, to the realness of who he is. He's not a ghost and he's alive. Matter of fact, he even says, um, let's eat together because that's what alive people do, right? We eat together. He explains that, you know what, you're not crazy, And then he opens up the scriptures to them. And the, the scripture tells us that their minds were opened up to understand the scriptures. Verse 46 says this, that the Messiah is to suffer, to rise from the dead, and on the third day, that, that the repentance and the forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. So here, Jesus, Jesus meets them in their fear and their doubt. He doesn't ridicule. Instead, he helps them to see him. He invites them to touch him. And then there, he invites them to accept him in their own way. And then he sends them out on a mission, a mission to be his witnesses. One writer said this about doubt. Doubt isn't the opposite of faith. Doubt, in fact, is probably a necessary ingredient to faith because faith, by definition, is trust in spite of a lack of evidence. I mean, think about it. Faith isn't about knowledge. It's, it's more tension-filled than that. Faith is acting as if something is true, 
even if you have no proof of it. Which really means for us gathered here today when we talk about the gathering of the faithful together, we're not talking about people who are gathering together who, whose faith and knowledge is absolute and, and certain. We're talking about a group of people who have all kinds of questions, right? Isn't that you and me? We have doubts, but still we, we find joy and wonder in the message of the good news and in the life of Christ. We also come together as people, some come together here with the hope of finding joy and wonder, even though they haven't quite yet figured out what this faith thing looks like and keep being drawn back because of this hope. I mean, think about it. The disciples doubted. Even after they had seen Jesus, walked with them, broke bread with them, experienced everything with them, he shows up and they still doubted. Even after they touched him, they saw him right there, they ate with him. Scripture tells us this. Listen to these words of Luke. It says, even after all that, while in their joy, they were still disbelieving and still wondering. So here in the midst of it all, they were still disbelieving, still wondering in the midst of it. And as I looked at that, I I had such encouragement because I can often be a woman of many questions. And as I explore this faith journey, it's a journey that continues to unfold and, and reveal itself to us. And as I thought about this, it suggested two things for me. First of all, it's okay to doubt. In fact, sometimes it's probably a requirement for faith. But secondly, this got me to wondering, how might we live differently as witnesses to God's love if we acted like God's promises were true, even if we were uncertain? I mean, think about it. If it's true that God raised Jesus from the dead, if it's true that God's promises to renew the whole of creation and grant us new life, if it's true that nothing Nothing we've ever done or nothing that's ever been done to us can ever separate us from the love of God. And if it's true that God's will not turn God's back on any of us, but always reaches out to us in grace and in mercy and in forgiveness, if any of those are true, let alone all of them are true, then how might we live our lives differently this week? I mean, how might faith, not knowledge, how might faith, that trusting and courageous faith, change our relationships, our work, our resources, or even our future? I mean, for the disciple, even in the midst of their doubt and disbelief, there was a part of them that kept moving forward in their believing, in living differently. I mean, they don't throw away their spirit-filled encounters with God from the past just because they can't explain really what's happening amongst them right now. But they keep moving forward. They keep moving forward into that new life that Christ had, had given to them. And they keep seeking after God. They allow that to change them, to to transform their lives. And as they grow and as they transform, they then share their faith with others. This past week, last Sunday actually, 21 of our young people were confirmed in our confirmation service. 
And during the two ser- during the service, two young women shared their story, shared how they had doubts, how they had touched Jesus, and then they shared their witness. And I asked them to both come here today and share their stories with you. So I'm going to first invite up Franny Ferreri, who she will begin, and then Alyssa Crocker, she will come up after. I'll be honest. When my mom announced that confirmation class was starting in January, I wasn't very excited, and I may or may not have groaned out loud. Don't get me wrong. I have loved God, and I have loved God for as long as I can remember, and I love this church. I am told I was baptized here, but I don't actually remember it because I was something like three months old. I do remember preschool here at Small Blessings. That was great. And I remember Sunday school, which was sometimes great and sometimes a little boring. I've sat in church with my parents, and sometimes that was great, and sometimes that was boring. The thing is, up until now, everything related to my relationship with God has been required by my parents. So when Mr. Jans asked me to talk about what my confirmation means to me, that all came to mind. But at some point during confirmation, that changed. It turns out that confirmation, this journey to becoming a member of the church, well, it's about me and God, me and Jesus, me and Jesus, me and the church. Not my mom or dad or teachers, although I appreciate all of them. It's personal. So what does confirmation mean to me personally? It means getting closer to God. It means learning more about the Bible and how it can help me when I need it and how it can teach me to be and do better things. Confirmation class is teaching me that God is always with me and he never gives up on me even if I make a bad decision. It is bound to happen and he will help me figure it all out. There will be good times and bad times and God will be there through it all. And my confirmation means that from here on out, it is up to me. My relationship with God and with the church is all mine. I am really grateful to Mr. and Mrs. Richards, my leaders, and the other leaders. They have challenged me to look at my faith and help me to realize that I want to be in the relationship with God for the long term. Thank you. My name is Alyssa Crocker, and I'm 13 years old. My family has been going to Hyde Park United Methodist Church since I was a baby, but I didn't really grow up in the church. We went maybe once a month. As I got older, I'd go to church on and off. One year, I'd go every Sunday. The next, I wouldn't go at all. I didn't really have a relationship with God. Then, a friend got me involved with the Hyde Park Youth Group. Since then, I've grown so much in my faith. So I decided to get confirmed. It was a quick decision, but it's one I'm glad I made. Confirmation has been an exciting journey. I've learned many things I didn't know before. I understand now that no matter who you are or where you've been, God will accept you and love you. Before I knew this, I'd been hesitant to get confirmed because I hadn't been baptized. During our first class, that all changed. As we talked about the meaning of confirmation, I realized that God loves me no matter what. I can confirm my love for him even if I wasn't baptized as a baby. Throughout the course of confirmation, I also learned about the Wesleyan quadrilateral and how to share God's love. Now, I feel ready to confirm my faith and officially join the church. To me, confirmation is committing to trusting God and believing in him through good and bad. 
It's about telling God that I am choosing to follow him and put him first in all aspects of life. Moving forward for my confirmation, I plan to maintain my relationship with God and make it even stronger. I want to spread God's love through music, kindness, and service. Confirmation has been an amazing experience, and I'm excited to continue on my faith journey. And now I'm ready to say, God, you chose me the minute I was born, before even. And now I choose you. Thank you. Okay, so there you have the story. These two young women show us what it looks like when we touch Jesus, when he touches us, and their willingness, their courage to share the story with the rest of us hopefully reminds all of us of what it means for us to touch Jesus. To see Jesus in our midst when I think of this resurrection story, you all displayed that for me. We ask the question, where do you see Jesus in your community? I see it in these young women. I saw it in the group that was confirmed on, on Sunday. I spent some time this week looking around to see where is it that, that Jesus was showing up around me. And I found that as I kept looking for Jesus this week, he appeared in people and places and even nature. I was riding my bike on the river walk and one of our open arms guests was walking the opposite way and he was telling everybody, Jesus loves you, as they walked on by. I can't wait to see where Jesus is going to show up next week in my life. But I realized as I opened myself up to looking for Christ in my midst, There he was, right before me. So how about you? Where do you see Jesus showing up around you? That's the question for us this week. So I'm going to invite you to take out your cards, cards that you were handed when you came in. I want you to think about the question. We're going to put it up here. I'm going to invite you to write down and place it in the offering plate when it goes by. But I'm going to give you a moment here, right in the the middle of the the message here, and write down, where do you see Jesus in your community? As I close today, I I think back to the filmmaker and the poet from the video we saw. They used their gifts to tell the story of Jesus. These young women used their gifts, their experience to tell the story of Jesus to us. As we open ourselves up to seeing Jesus around us this week, may we too... Be inspired to find ways to use our gifts to tell our story of faith to others, whether it be in words or in deed. 
I think that we all can be a part of that brightness of Christ's light that we saw when we see him, when we touch his scars, and then when we pick up the light bulbs of faith and we begin connecting more to that source of light. I want to close with the words from the poet. It's how he ended that film. He said this, As the stone began to roll, light began to explode in a resurrection glow. An angel descends and every knee bends. A savior appears and the followers hear. Words of life not dread while seeking living among the dead. For just at the right moment, in the fullness of time, into a world of darkness came a light that still shines. Let us pray. Lord, today we bring before you the joys, the celebrations of our week, our doubts and our uncertainties, and we lay them before you. In our midst, we pray that your spirit would fall upon us, that we might see you in each other and throughout this week in others. May we be reminded of your love and your forgiving grace. And as we look to see Jesus around us, may we find ourselves the willingness to reach out and share our story with others too. Amen.